Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, June 20th, 2019. at the program notes just scratching my head ah. some of you asked me how do you listen to all this stuff without losing your mind what makes you think I haven't that's my question to you Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think critically, help you to think biblically, help you to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There's no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to compare and contrast what the most popular Pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, <gasps> self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of you know, the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine, that's teaching, that's put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, far from biblical, far from what God's Word says, and it's generally a mess out there. Now, a little bit of a note here. In today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, we're going to do a New Apostolic Reformation twin spin. Yay! <laughs> I can hardly wait. But the best thing I can say here is, is that you're going to note that both of these segments are assuming in one way or another that you're watching them. That's right. The, what we're doing is we're taking the audio from uh, the segments we did over at our YouTube channel and plopped them into our uh, into our podcast today. So if you want the, the full effect for today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, you're going to have to find the corresponding YouTube segments in order to see the things that we're putting up because some of this does require... Uh, a visual take on that. But all of that being said, we're going to do a new Apostolic Reformation twin spin today, and we're going to be hearing from Todd White and from Lance Wallnow. Now, I'm going to do what I did you know, a couple of episodes ago. I'm going to actually dive into, I'm going to hit our segment music and then explain what we're doing on the other side of it. Since we're doing an NAR update, you, you kind of get the idea. Let's do this. <laughs> Jude, babe, what do you want to do tonight? 
The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. Now, have you ever been told that, uh, well, the way you can tell, the way you can tell that God is still doing miracles in the world today is, well, you know, Todd White. Because, you know, Todd White lengthens legs. Uh, miraculously, apparently. Well, leg lengthening is a parlor trick. It's not a miracle. It's a false sign and a false wonder. And so we're going to start out in a biblical text. And let me pull this up, switch over to here. And uh, this is a text I like to go to on a regular basis, uh, talking about the uh, great apostasy. Apostasy is a rebellion against God, and it's within the visible church. This is the prophecy given by the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll note a few things. Uh, we won't read the whole chapter out. However, I do strongly recommend you take some time and familiarize yourself with this text because it'll help you understand a lot of what's going wrong in the church today. Here's what Paul writes. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word, uh, or, or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Oh, they, you missed it, apparently. Uh, so let no one deceive you in any way. So don't let anyone you know, uh, deceive you, get you all anxious. Yeah, you haven't been left behind, is what he's saying. That day will not come unless the rebellion. Now, this is the English st uh, English Standard Version, and the ESV translates the Greek word apostasia as rebellion, which is exactly what an apostasia is. It is a rebellion against God, and it takes place within the visible church. The the pagan world is already in rebellion against God, and so this apostasy takes place within the visible confines of the church itself. And and then, uh, so unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself uh, against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Yeah, that's right. The uh, the. The, <clears throat> the lawless one, the man of lawlessness, a.k.a. the Antichrist, will exalt himself within the visible church, even proclaiming himself to be God himself. Christ also gives a, a prophecy along these lines in uh, Matthew chapter 24, and I'm doing this here from memory. And uh, yeah, so Matthew chapter 24 and it, it says this, it, it, I'll kind of give you the context. Jesus left the temple, was going away when his disciples came 
to point out to him the buildings of the temple. And he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So you'll note that the question has to do with the end of the world. Jesus answered them. It also has to do, by the way, with the destruction of the temple. So the two get weaved together in Jesus' answer. He says, See to to it that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place first, but the end is not yet. And so Christ goes on to talk about false Christ and false uh, prophets who will arise in those last days. And when the, the you know, we were like on the cusp of uh, the return of Christ, these false Christ and pro- false prophets will be able to perform true signs and true wonders. In fact, Megos, great signs, great wonders. And um, here's what Christ says. He says, uh, uh, I'm skipping down to verse 21 in in Matthew 24. Again, it's worth the read. Uh, There will be a great tribulation such as not been been from the beginning of the world until now, and, uh, and no, never will be. If those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. And uh, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christos and it's best to take kind of a you you can take this narrowly as well as uh, broadly. Uh, A Christos is uh, somebody who claims to be an anointed one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and I I think that Christ here is prophesying that when the man of lawlessness shows up, he's going to exalt himself above everything that is called God and make himself out to be God within the visible church itself. So Christ is warning about that, but he's warning about false Christs and false prophets. So he says, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christs, pseudo-Christoi, this is plural, and false prophets, pseudo-prophetai, this, again, plural, will arise, and you're going to note here, they will be able to perform Megas, great signs and wonders, great signs and wonders. And the purpose of them, uh, in fact, if we were to take a look at the Greek here, and, uh, and they will be able to give, or, to give or perform signs, great and wonders. Yeah, and here's the reason, hosta planesi, for the purpose in order to deceive, to lead astray if possible, even the elect. So you're going to note here that uh, true signs and wonders do not make a true prophet or a true Christ. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. They, you always have to pay attention to the theology and the doctrine accompanying said prophet or said anointed one. And and you'll note that Jesus says there's a time coming when these false prophets and false Christs, false anointed ones, will be able to perform great signs and wonders, not pseudo False signs and wonders. We're still kind of ramping up, if you would, because coming back then to Second Thessalonians, here's, again, the prophecy regarding the, the man of lawlessness. He will take a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, Paul says, I told you these things, and you know now what is restraining him so that he may be revealed in his time. And so then talking about the revealing 
of the lawless one, starting at verse 8. When the lawless one, uh, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will kill with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his kingdom. So the coming of the lawless one, his coming, he's not quite here yet, is by the activity of Satan with all power. And note what it says here. Uh, you know, semeas kai terasin sudus. That means uh, signs and wonders false. Yeah. So the coming of the lawless one, not quite here yet, is by the activity of Satan with all with all power and false signs and false wonders. Yeah. So you'll note that we we kind of have two categories here. Uh, in the in the days leading up to the revealing of the lawless one, uh, the activity of Satan is with the power uh, to create false signs, false wonders. They're not true, and uh, and then with things ramping up into the great tribulation, the time of you know the the devil's uh, you know heyday here on earth, then uh, what will happen is is that the false Christ and false pro- prophets will be able to form. Great signs, great wonders, rather than false signs, false wonders. So I see a, a dichotomy here between the two of them. So I personally think that what we see going on in so much of the NAR today and, and much that passes for the charismatic movement, these are what pro- Paul prophesied in Second Thessalonians, uh, the Semaeus Kaiteras and Sudus, the, uh, the signs and wonders false. All right, and there's a day coming... <laughs> When it'll be signs and wonders, great. Uh, but we're still in the false sense at this point. Anyway, the coming of the lawless one is by the power and activity of Satan with all, with false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Hopefully I didn't confuse you all there. The point is is that Scripture prophesies that there will be deception regarding that will involve false signs, false wonders. And by the way, leg lengthening is that. It's a false sign. It's a false wonder. It's not real, and we'll demonstrate that. Uh, but be advised, there's a day coming, and I have no idea how far out that day is when the false Christ and the false prophets will be able to perform great signs and wonders for the purpose of deceiving the elect, if that were possible. That's what Christ warned us about. So I, I see in the prophecies regarding the end of time and the uh, leading up to the day of the revealing of the lawless one, uh, two, two qualities of, false, of signs. Uh, one are false and the other are great, and we're not to the great ones yet. Every, I mean, even Benny Hinn is a flim-flam, you know, false sign guy, uh, and so is Todd White. But uh, there's a day coming when uh, no one will be able to deny that these false prof- prophets and false Christs are performing great signs and wonders. The problem is, is that Christ has told us ahead of time to be prepared, because when that is going down... Uh, that's not his. That's not the Holy Spirit working. That's still the activity of the devil. All of that being said, a little long-winded there. We're heading over to the YouTube channel of Todd White, and uh, he's put together a uh, a video. Does preaching the miraculous damage your ministry? Does preaching the miraculous damage your ministry? So we're. Yeah. 
Now, I, I, I just got to take issue with this right off the bat. Right off the bat, I have to take issue with this. Why do I have to take issue with this? Because, because uh, well, is that I'm a, mirac- a miracles guy, okay? I, I believe in miracles. Uh, I preach the miraculous practically every Sunday. And uh, let, let me explain. I mean, kind of the pinnacle of it is uh, is the resurrection of Christ. I believe he he rose bodily from the grave on the third day after he was crucified and was stone cold dead. It, you know that that he was raised from the grave on the third day, and I believe Jesus walked on the water. I believe that he gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. He he raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He healed the sick. He, the, the, I totally believe in that. And then you you think about Moses, you know, and 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 them crossing the Red Sea. That for, that legitimately happened, you know. It was uh, at the Gulf of Aqaba. That that little stretch of the Red Sea there. I mean, I totally believe this. I believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, and that she was for sure a for real virgin. She'd never had any kind of sexual relations with any dude, and yet she conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was born, our great God and Savior. So I, I preach the miraculous all the time. But Todd White is talking about something different than that. Something different than that. So uh, let, let's head over to this. Looks like a Jesus image event uh, that we're going to be watching. So l- let's uh, let's take a listen. You've probably received similar advice as I have regarding the miraculous, that coming off that a bit would help expand reach or maybe be more acceptable to different people or different streams, maybe the healing. <laughs> Did you see Benny Hinn on the, on the dais there? Thing is limiting your message. Oh, and Ben Fitzgerald is there. Yeah, Bethel's in the house, folks. What's your response there? What's your conviction? Pray for him, have him get healed. Uh, so you need to get healed if... Uh... Somehow you're opposed to the miraculous. Now, again, I point out, I'm, I don't preach against the miraculous at all. I'm a firm believer in it. I've been in front of lots of people that don't agree. I've actually been on airplanes with pastors from churches that are adamant that preach against, preach against healing. Okay, hang on a second here. I got, I got to do a little bit of work. I, I'm going to use this tab. Uh, you know what? Hang on a second here. YouTube. I got, I got to do a little typing here. YouTube. All right. In YouTube, let's see if I can find this. We need to find, uh, let's see here, um, a straw man. There we go. Straw man fallacy. There we go. All right. Straw man fallacy. That's it. All right. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to check on this. Hi there, Internet commenter. You've... All right. Let's, let us let me back this up. I, I, I mean, this guy, as soon as I hit the button, it's like he starts talking. Anyway, you, know, you, you, need, a, you need a cannon, dude, a, a little bit of a buffer. But anyway, all right. So this guy's going to explain to us what a straw man fallacy is. All right. Let's, let's listen in. Hi there, Internet commenter. You've been sent a link to this video because someone is concerned that you might not be arguing your case to your utmost ability. They're concerned you might have used a fallacy to make an important point, thus defeating your own claim. The fallacy they're concerned you might have used is the straw man fallacy. Contrary to what many people would have us believe, 
believe a straw man is not simply an argument that you dislike or find inconvenient. Rather, it is a version of an argument that is misrepresented, simplified, so that it is easier to knock over. Just as an actual man made of straw is a less solid version of a man made of flesh, a straw man argument is a less solid version of a fully fleshed out argument. A straw man replaces or represents whatever actual argument is being made. Straw manning can come in many different forms. It's not even always intentional. You might accidentally construct a straw man if you don't fully understand the depth of an argument. And that is fine. It happens to the best of us. However, to intentionally misread or misrepresent an argument to simplify the process of discrediting it, that's a little bit less forgivable. To take nuanced points out of context, to ignore crucial information, to even exaggerate claims to the point of absurdity, which is then easier to refute, these are all straw man tactics. For example, Mike and Straw Mike are having a conversation about how to responsibly depict awful stuff in media. I don't think it's too much to ask that when a media creator wants to show heinous or awful stuff, they do so in a context that shows that that stuff is heinous and awful. Oh, so now we're not allowed to show violent or terrible things unless we include some long-winded sermon about how bad things are bad? I think creators should be able to show or do whatever they want. The original argument states a preference for what Mike thinks constitutes the responsible use of media. The straw man argument recasts this as something much simpler and easier to agree with. Freedom is good, censorship is bad. But now, Mike and Straw Mike are no longer arguing about the same point, and so the conversation will quickly become unfocused and aggressive, which is never fun. It's- right, it n- never, never is fun. Now, all of that's kind of to make a point. Coming back to Todd White here. He's claiming, oh, he's been on airplanes and stuff with pastors, plural. Apparently, uh, pastors like to to conglomerate and glom together. You know, they they travel in airplanes on herds, in herds, especially the kind that can't afford private jets. And and, and so he's been on airplanes with pastors, man, and, and they get all up in his face because they vehemently preach against healing. I don't know that guy. I never met that guy. Who are you talking about? That's what we call a straw man. Let, let me back this up. Just l- listen again. Don't agree. I've actually been on airplanes with pastors from churches that are adamant that preach against preach against healing. I'd like to see that church. I want to see those sermons. I want to hear those pastors because here's the thing. I personally skim and review a gazillion it just it feels like it a, a lot lot like a, a a metric a ton of sermons on a weekly basis as i'm looking for segments to look at here at in you know to consider at, at fighting for the faith i have yet to run across a single sermon where a pastor has ascended the the pulpit or maybe you know took a seat behind a music stand on the stage and said today we're going to talk about why healing doesn't exist it's it never happens god doesn't heal i i've i don't know that guy i've i've never seen that sir i've never heard that sermon so this is a straw man he, Todd is lying through his dreadlocks and his face. The, 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 he's spinning a yarn here and, and misrepresenting those who would criticize him as being, oh, they, they preach against healing. 
I don't preach against healing. In fact, when somebody in the congregations I serve is ill or sick, I pray for their healing. And I've seen God miraculously answer prayer on behalf of those who are suffering physically in their bodies. And so, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in the miraculous, firm believer that God answers prayer and that God can heal if he so wills to. So I, I don't know what he's talking about here. Uh, I can, could you please point me out the, these pastors who preach against healing? I, I don't know that guy. Like, really mad. And when I share my testimony, they're like, wow, that's amazing. So the Lord rescued you. And I'm like, he did. He saved me from all this stuff, from pornography, from drugs. From Can we get a little more juice on this, these monitors, please? Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Let me rewind. So when I'm on, like specifically on planes and wherever I was, when I worked, when I worked for the ice company, I, I, I was a full-time missionary in America as soon as I got born again. So I, I knew that Jesus wanted to use me to heal and wanted to, wanted me to pray for the sick. So I, I mean, several times I could just share testimonies, I guess, of a couple. Um, I, I ran over to a car. There was a pastor. Um, he was from a denomination that didn't believe in healing. He actually preached against it. What's the name of that denomination? Which denomination has as part of their official denominational doctrinal statements? No healing today. Don't even pray to God and ask him to heal you. He ain't going to do it. I, I want to see that church body. I'm not familiar with any American or even international church body, but you were an ice man and you were a missionary to the United States. Which denomination was this guy a part of that, that preached against healing and denied that, that God heals today? I, I, I want to know what that guy is. Uh, you know, what, what, what is he? Is he a Lutheran? Is he a Presbyterian? Is he a Methodist? What is he? I, I'd like to know. What's his name, by the way? I, I'd like you know. I'd like to know his name, and it's going to be important that we get his name because I'm sure Todd can find him really easily. Because as the story is going to go, you're going to see he apparently healed him. He lengthened his legs. Yeah. But let me back this up just a smidge again. Listen again. Multiple times I could just share testimonies, I guess, of a couple. Um, I, I ran over to a car. There was a pastor. Um, he was from a denomination that didn't believe in healing. He actually preached against it his whole life. I was actually delivering. His whole life he preached against healing. Delivering ice. I ran over and I, I put ice in his car to help him. And he was like, thank you very much. And, and I shared my testimony with him because he told me he was a pastor. And I was like, man, I said, well, let me share what Jesus did for me. And I shared it with him. And he's kind of looking me up and looking me down. And I could tell that there's maybe a little bit of my dreads aren't very comfortable for him just to start with. And so and that's okay. And, and I said to him, I said, man, I said, I noticed you limping when you came to your car. Now, when I told my testimony, he was really happy. But when I started to share about the miraculous, he was like, okay, we're pretty much done. I said, well, wait a second. I said, you have a, a, a leg that's short. Obviously, he said, I was born with polio. I'm like, now, no, I want to point out something else. Note that in the setup for this account, this, apparently this is a historical narrative here, that it's in the setup that Todd White told us that he was from a denomination that he had preached against healing all of his life. And so we know this information 
before he tells us anything about what happened. But as he's telling the story, I'd like to know, at what point, Todd, did this pastor tell you that he's preached against healing his entire life? Yeah, and, and what denomination, again, is it that that has an official statement against healing? Let, let me back this up just again. Start to share about the miraculous. He was like, okay, we're pretty much done. I said, well, wait a second. I said, you have a, a, a leg that's short, obviously. He said, I was born with polio. I'm like, no way. So he's a head pastor of a, of a church in Harrisburg. And I said to him, I said, man. I said, All right. Head pastor of a church in Harrisburg. So we have a city born with polio all his life, preached against healing. All right. So those of you, I mean, the Internet always knows. It. Who's this guy? I'd like to know who this pastor is in Harrisburg, who all of his life he preached against healing and was born with polio. I said, I would love to pray for you. He goes, man, I'm really good. I've been, you know, I'm born this way. Look, God doesn't do that anymore. I said, well, if he doesn't do it, then let me pray for you. He was born with polio? I thought polio was a disease that you got. And then the impact it has on your physical body afterwards and in the wake of it is fairly devastating. Uh, born with polio. All right. Again, let me back this up. Hmm. In Harrisburg, and I said to him, I said, "Man, I said I would love to pray for you." He goes, "Man, I'm really good. I've been, you know, I'm born this way. Look, God doesn't do that anymore." I said, "Well, if He doesn't, God doesn't do that anymore." Really? Again, which denomination doesn't believe in praying to God and asking for healing because they officially state that God heals nobody today? Who who believes that? Was he a, a liberal who denies the miraculous? You, you think of like the modernist liberals, right? The modernist liberals who took over a lot of the mainline denominations, they denied the miraculous, but that also included Jesus' virgin birth, his bodily resurrection from the grave. You think of guys like John Shelby Spong, Right, yeah, guys like that, and to say he was a he, a head pastor wouldn't wouldn't quite fit in the Episcopalian way of talking. At least, yeah, I we're, we're, I'm a little sketchy here. Who who which, which what was his name? I I'd like to know who this guy is. And do it, then let me pray for you, because nothing will happen. All right, back in the I'd love to pray for you. He goes, man, I'm really good. I've been you know I'm born this way. Look, God doesn't do that anymore. I said, well, if he doesn't do it, then let me pray for you because nothing will happen. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't care if you pray for me. So I said, all right. I said, well, I need to see your feet. So we had a, a three and a half inch short leg because polio made it really small and, and he's, he's hobbling. I said, all right. So now he's going to his standard miracle. Now let, let's do a little bit of work here. Uh, this is a video from a, uh, a trip to Israel that uh, Todd White took, and this is a video released back in February of 2018. So uh, this is uh, more than a year ago. And uh, Todd White is going to perform his famous leg-lengthening miracle trick. And uh, and then we'll have Steve Kozar explain how this is done. But uh, here's uh, Todd White. So let my back here look. Maybe can I like? Okay. Can I use this chair? 
You see his leg? One is longer. Look. Come look. Oh, man. This kid doesn't even look like he was suffering from polio. I mean, look at that. I mean, is Oh, man. That's, that's, that's a good inch and a half, two inches of separation there. You see? You see? You see? You see one is longer. Yes? You see? Watch. Yes, the right one's shorter. This one's shorter. Oh, yeah. Shorter, way shorter. In the name of Yeshua. Right leg, grow. Right now. Oh, look at that. It's growing. No, it's not. It's not growing. This isn't a miracle. This is a false sign. Pseudo Semeon. <clears throat> from the video, from the documentary, The American Gospel, here we have uh, my friend Stephen Kozar explaining to us and demonstrating how Todd performs his famous leg lengthening parlor trick. I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, if uh, Todd White were to go on the Penn and Teller's Fool Us, he wouldn't be able to fool him. Yeah, like not at all. But uh, here, here's Stephen Kozar from the American Gospel documentary. Now we're going to see Todd White's clip sped up quite a bit and looped back and forth. Now this is where we can see what's really going on here. The leg on our right is supposed to be the short leg, and this is the leg which should be miraculously growing, but it's not. Look at the leg on our left. That's where all the action is. That's what's actually being manipulated. You can see that Todd is actually pivoting or shifting the foot of the so-called long leg so that the heels match. Now, he's doing this very slowly over time, but it's painfully obvious when you speed up the clip. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, <clears throat> leg lengthening via heel manipulation, and that's exactly what Todd White is doing here. He did that in Jerusalem as well. And, you know, this is not a true sign. This is not a sign great, you know, not at all. This is a false sign coming back to what the Apostle Paul prophesied in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the, the, the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Todd White is engaging in parlor trickery, claiming that he's uh, performing miracles. And, uh, and, of course, what's really fascinating is all the stories he tells about, you know, entire denominations and lots and lots of pastors who Sunday after Sunday preach against healing, which is a total bogus straw man. But uh, let me back this up a little bit and let, let him finish his story here. Well, I don't care if you pray for me. So I said, all right. I said, well, I need to see your feet. So we had a, a three and a half inch short leg because polio made it really small and, and he's, he's hobbling. I said to him, man, I said, well, look, here's the deal. And I have his feet in my hands. And I said, if Jesus, if Jesus doesn't heal, then your leg's not going to grow. But if it grows, you've got to change everything. He looked at me. He goes, I ain't changing nothing. I go, okay, Jesus, I thank you for this leg growing out right now. And the muscles filled out in his leg, and his leg grew out three and a half inches. Wow. So I was like, what are you going to do with that? Because he didn't believe. Uh, go back and review the video and show how you just totally manipulated his foot slowly. 
He was an unbelieving believer. He believed enough to get to heaven, but not enough for heaven to get into him. So I said to him, I said, what are you going to do about that? And he looked at me and he goes, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, well, could you get up and give me a hug? We start there. So he stood up and he said, start with a hug. I don't know. I said, can you walk? And he walked and he goes, oh, my God. I said, that's right. He's our God. He's Jehovah Rapha. Look what he just did for you. And he looked at me and he goes, this doesn't happen. I said, well, walk again and just tell me it doesn't happen again. And he walked and he goes, oh, my God. Uh, what's the guy's name? Yeah, we know he's from Harrisburg and he preached his entire life against healing. Uh, what was his name, Todd? What's the denomination again? Because hang on a second here. He's, he's, yeah, you smell that? Yeah, yeah. That smells like rotting fish. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's some rotting fish right there. I, this, something's really fishy about this story, man. Oh, my God. I said, what are you going to tell your church, man? He goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely rotting fish. Really? So we hugged. I told him how much I loved him. He goes, man, do you have a business card? Do you have a card? I'm like, I'm the ice man. I deliver ice, man. I love Jesus with all my heart. Uh-huh. So there you go. That's, so Todd White, I mean, and that was just published. I, so, you know, he's doubling down. Todd White has doubled down on his leg lengthening shtick. And this is just a, a great example of what the Apostle Paul prophesied in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And that prophecy has to do with the fact that the coming of the lawless one will be preceded by false signs. False wonders, because the, uh, the whole leg lengthening thing, that ain't a, a real miracle. That's a false sign, false wonder. And Todd White is engaged in complete, utter lying, obfuscation, and a straw man. And again, I, I'd like to know the name of this fellow who was born with polio, who preached his entire life against miracles and healing. Again, I don't know that guy. I've never met him. So, so what do you think? Yeah, we're uh, going to take a quick break, pay some bills. And uh, come back on the other side, and we're going to listen to Lance Wild now. Now, if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Christian. Quick break when we come back. More from the new Apostolic Reformation. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No sneaky squid spirit formed against us will prosper. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough. Of this sissy, pansy, turning photo written music, you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents 
Church Day Select. And I'm okay. I scheme all night and I lie all day. He's a heretic and he's okay. He schemes all night and he lies all day. I twist God's word. I put on shows that do better on Broadway. Have you seen The Lion King? It'll be here on Sunday. He twists God's word. He puts on shows that do better on Broadway. Have you seen The Lion King? It'll be here on Sunday. He's a heretic and he's okay. He schemes all night and he lies all day. Twist God's word. I take your tithe and spend it on private jets. Have you seen my bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He twists God's word. He takes your tithe and spends it on private jets. Have you seen his bank account? It's bigger than yours, I'll bet. He's a heretic and he's okay. He's all night and he Twist God's word, I write bad books that will land you all in hell. I'll never say I'm sorry, cause I'll be there as well. He twists God's word, he writes bad books that will land us all in hell. Ah! Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. To err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. 
Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith um, could cause you to think that leg lengthening is um, a parlor trick and not a miracle. Because it's a parlor trick, not a miracle. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron on Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you would like to support us the traditional, the analog way, you can do that too. You can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344. Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208, and let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, part two of our new Apostolic Reformation update. Let's do this, since what we're going to be listening to is just bonkers, so uh, let's do this. Down at an English fair, one evening I was there When I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts There they are, standing in a row Big ones, small ones, some as big as your head Give them a twist, a flick of the wrist, that's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts Every ball you throw will make me rich there stands me wife, the idol of me life, singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Roll a bowl a ball, roll a bowl a ball, singing roll a bowl a ball a penny a pitch. Yeah, that's right. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Now, I've got to say this up front here. If you have not already listened to A Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament, Part 1, and I would even throw into it Part 2, you, you need to do that. You, you, you need to do that because um, th- that would be the in-depth biblical teaching that would normally accompany a segment. You, you kind of get the idea because you, you really want to have that foundation before we get into the segment. And you'll see why, because the the primary issue here is, uh, as you will see. In fact, let me uh, let me pull this up here. There's Lance Walnow in his home studio. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that. I have one of them myself. The name of the video is The Anointing of the Scepter of Esther and What It Means for America. Yeah, so we will note that the scriptures are about Christ, and I assure you that nothing in the story of Esther, Daniel, um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, nothing in those books is about the United States. Not one thing. But uh, we're going to listen to Lance Wall now as he tries to take us down the primrose path to try to weave into an American, current American history and the angst and turmoil that exists between conservatives and, and liberals and socialists and capitalists and the wall and, you know, things like that. When <laughs> None of those texts have anything to do with that. It, it really is about Christ in one way or another. It's not about Trump or the current Congress or anything like that. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, make yourself comfortable. Let's get to it, shall we? Here's Lance Wall now. What weird music to start off with. I want to talk to you about the supernatural power of prophetic timing revealed in the book of Esther you see, already I can't take them seriously. The supernatural power of prophetic timing found in the book of Esther. What are you talking about? You know, I, 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 I'm I, a graduate from seminary. Yeah, I've been to seminary. I know Greek. I know Hebrew. I've studied systematic theology, exegesis, hermeneutics, pastoral care. You know, I've done all that stuff, and I never took a class talking about uh, the supernatural thing about prophetic timing. In the book of Esther, never saw a single reputable scholar that any of my seminary profs referenced talking about such things. So already we got a problem here. Revealed in uh, Nehemiah, revealed in Esther, because those chapters in the history of the Jews struggling for their existence are exactly prophetically where we are right now. As America is in its great battle and the church is in its uh, in the throes of understanding its responsibility and how to respond, how to pray, how to engage. Yeah. Now, so one of the Bible twisting techniques uh, that false teachers engage in is a uh, Bible twisting technique known as eisegesis, E-I-S, and then Jesus, G-E-S-I-S. Anyway, the eisegesis means to read into the biblical text stuff that ain't there. Yeah. So what Lance is doing here is read, by reading American history into the book of Esther, into the book of Nehemiah, into Ezra and Daniel, he's engaging in eisegesis. Wait till you learn what his justification is for doing this, because he does believe that his justification for doing this goes all the way up to the top. And by top, I mean God himself. But we continue. We're going to talk about the scepter of Esther and what that symbolically means, what the anointing is that is the scepter, what the signet ring anointing is. What the what? The, the signet ring anointing. Yeah, I don't know what that is. But the power of decrees are as they go forth. The power of decrees. 
Yeah, I'm not a god, nor am I royalty. For or against you. And all of that is in the study we're doing right now. So I look forward to sharing this with you in the story of Esther. And so where are we? I want to show you the sequence that we've been looking at. I think. Where are we? Now, a little bit of a note here. Those of you watching this outside of the United States, maybe you live in Oz, maybe you live in the Netherlands, maybe you live in the United Kingdom or one of the nations of the Commonwealth or maybe Barbados or Nigeria or something like that. You're going to note here that um, you could care less (laughs) about anything he's saying because uh, United States politics has never seemed to factor into your reading of the Bible. And, uh, and and really, there's very little chance that it will. And, and that's good. That's really good. So you're going to note here that to a, a, a Christian believer outside of the United States, this sounds Looney Tunes. Red's a good color for this. Should we do red? Yeah, sure, let's do why red. Not? Why not? So in the sequence, we have the um, era of Jeremiah prophesying. And so Jeremiah prophesies, and he speaks about his 70 years. And then, of course, yeah, the 70 years of exile for the impenitent idolaters of Israel. Yeah, in Babylon, right. That's God's judgment. Pick this number 70 based upon the fact that they did not celebrate uh, the proper, uh, you know, Sabbath for the land and the and the Jubilees properly. So, yeah, God kind of tallied all that up for him. Yeah. Daniel has to go into prayer and intercession. We saw that in Daniel chapter 9, and he literally gets angelic warfare going on in the heavenlies. Yeah. Yeah, you know, angelic warfare in the heavenlies and stuff. Well, yeah, you're kind of leaving out some details. Gabriel comes in. And this is kind of amazing, uh, because Gabriel, when Gabriel comes in... Gabriel, right, okay. uh, Gabriel was the angel that also appeared to Mary. Yeah. He he says that there's going to be a period of years, and then the wall will be built in troublesome times. So there's a wall that's going to be surrounding Jerusalem. By the way, what's the prophetic meaning of a wall? It's when God is restoring boundaries. When God... What? <laughs> when God is restoring boundaries. Okay. God is restoring the sovereignty of a nation. When God is restoring definition. And look at how the left is smashing the definition of, of, uh, of what a male is, what a female is. Yeah, I assure you that the wall of Nehemiah has nothing to do with any of that either. You know, to say... Um, so in the uh, <clears throat> Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament, we noted that Jesus said something very interesting in John chapter 5, and that he was saying this to the unbelieving Pharisaical Jews, you diligently search the Scriptures, this is John five thirty nine, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. So in one way or another, the, the scriptures are going to connect back to Christ. And uh, Jesus and Trump are two totally different dudes. And uh, yeah, so what he's doing here, 
by trying to read American politics into what he considers to be a prophetic pattern revealed starting with Jeremiah all the way up to Nehemiah. Well, yeah, it doesn't work that way. The scriptures are about Jesus. What a marriage is, definition of what freedom is, what free speech is, the definition of, of, of religion itself is, is going to be challenged. But what I'm saying is the walls restore the boundaries. So what we have here is we have Jeremiah. Yeah, the sad thing is, is that many of the problems that he's identifying are really problems. They're deadly problems to the Republic of the United States. Very deadly, deadly problems to the church and to the Republic and all those types of things. But he's not really offering any kind of a biblical solution here. He's engaging in uh, biblical wackerdoodleism. Yeah, that, that's a, it's a category. I made it up, but it, it's a category. And prophesied 70 years, but this speaks of the prophets who prophesy. Daniel goes and intercedes, and like I just said, Daniel has an angel that comes, breaks through, and says, all right, you broke through. The what? <laughs> Where did the angel say to Daniel, all right? You broke through. And notice he took this pen and he was kind of pointed it towards the wall. D Daniel didn't break through ne Nehemiah's wall. What is this? The prophecy of Der Jeremiah is now fulfilled. What's going to happen? Cyrus comes to power. Most people don't realize this, but Cyrus, who I'm saying is a secular ruler who comes into power for the sake of God's people. This is Victor Orban in Hungary. This is uh, Bonacero in Brazil. These are the secular leaders like Donald Trump in the United States. So we got lots of Cyruses running around out there. Who, who accomplished three things. The three things that Cyrus accomplished was the protection of religious liberty for Christians and Jews, including a good relationship, a better relationship with Christians and Israel. Um, it's going to be economic stability and protection from terror. Those are the three things that... Cyrus accomplished that? Could you show me in the biblical histories where Cyrus overcame terror? But, um, Cyrus boasted of having accomplished. Now, after, uh, after Cyrus comes along... We have a decree, and he makes this decree, and this decree commemorates the fullness of 70 years, just like Donald Trump made the decree. What? At the fullness of 70 years in the existence of the state of Israel. You see the 70-year connection there? So Trump makes a decree, and it has to do again with Jews in Israel. And so we have an embassy established. Netanyahu even comes. Yeah, you're, you're engaging a full-blown eisegesis here of the American patriot type. <sighs> Nothing wrong with being an American patriot. It's just that patriotism, American patriotism, can't be read into the prophecies of Scripture. This is nuts. Comes the United States Prime Minister of... of, of, of uh... <laughs> Israel, I was going to say India, Israel, and tells President Donald Trump, 
You're a modern-day Cyrus. You are what Jewish people remember you, even though Bill Maher forgot because he's an illiterate um, uh, Jew when it comes to his own history. He doesn't even know his own his own history, but he, he thinks he's an intellectual commentator on all things evangelical and faith. What, a, what, what, what hubris this guy has. <sighs> yeah, he said that unironically. Uh, yeah, I'm no fan of Bill Maher either. Uh, but hubris, I think, would be uh, you know, at least you know outweighing. So, who has more hubris here? Is it Lance Wallnow or is it uh, Bill Maher? You know, I'm going to go with Lance Wallnow. I mean, to, the hubris to think that you can just read current American politics into the Bible. Yeah. That takes a lot of hubris. Anyway, Trump comes along. 70-year cycle is complete. He uh, makes the uh, proclamation regarding the embassy move. And at the same, as this happens, we are now hitting this line here. Boom, this green line here. This is the line. We're, we're hitting the green line. Yeah, I can't make any sense of what he's drawing here. For the reset in America. Will we have a reset or will we not? These prophetic things are taking place during the feast. What? So the decree of Cyrus and the return of the Jewish exiles from Babylon to Israel is a prophetic timeline talking about the reset of American politics? Yeah, you know, I just have to ask, does Lance Walnow live in Colorado where they have, you know, <clears throat> you know, no, they have unfettered access to marijuana? You know, I just have to ask. It's the Purim, which we're going to talk about today in this broadcast. What happens? The, uh, the president here makes another decree, the Golan Heights, the boundaries, the boundaries. You get at the walls. Yeah, the, the wall. The, <laughs> the boundaries, man, you know, whoa. Yeah, this isn't biblical teaching at all. I don't know what this is. Surrounding Israel are being restored. The capital and the boundaries. This is prophetic fulfillment. Capital, government, boundaries. Boundaries, man. Boundaries. This is what the wall is. It's about sealing the border, the boundary, and protection of the modern nation state that the uh, Soros and various other dark money... Soros isn't in the Bible! ...money machines and activist organizations pers pursuant to the formation of the Democracy Alliance, etc., that they're all about dissolving the sovereignty of nations and creating a kind of a global... Um, Babylon, where, trust me, those elites rule. Now, will the... Global Babylon, man. ...reset work uh, for America. Well, that depends... If you're going to go with global Babylon, go to the book of Revelation. At least you'd have a chance at it, you know? Because the next stage right after Cyrus is this guy Zerubbabel. See, Cyrus... See, we're, we're, so right after we're done with the Cyrus phase of American history, you know, after the reset, because boundaries, man, we're going to be entering the Zerubbabel phase. Yeah. 
Cyrus says, return to your land, Zerubbabel goes. He's the governor of Judah. He leaves with Jonathan, who is the high priest's son. And uh, the, the, so you have a unique collusion of... of <laughs> collusion, man. I wonder who Lance is colluding with. The government with uh, the uh, believers at that time. So you have the J- Jonathan, who is the high priest. It's the priestly and the political working together. But the priestly and the political, catch this, this is so, forgive me for saying it this way, it's so profound. And, and it was a Jack Hayford statement. The priestly, the political, and the prophets got together. Because Haggai... They, they did? Hang on a second. He said because, and then he said Haggai. I'm backing this up. Priestly, the political, and the prophets got together. Because Haggai comes along and starts to prophesy. The prophet comes into the mix and the... <laughs> you know, because Haggai. Boundaries, man. Boundaries. Prophet says, stop being intimidated. Stop delaying. Build, build, build. And the go- sell, sell, sell. Government and the believers began to build, which led to the uh, the the chapter which we covered uh, yesterday, which has to do with Ezra showing up. <laughs> right, you know. So after the Zerubbabel phase in Haggai, it says, "Build, build, build." Then you know, Ezra shows up. Boy, I bet your mind's blown, you know. You'll never be the same after hearing this stuff. Ezra comes along and and completes the structure of the house of God, which is made up of people. So as the temple is built, Ezra comes along and begins to lay out the, the word of the Lord to the Jews that they've been intermingled and compromised in terms of peace and prosperity. They were compromising for a false peace just to be left alone and they were pursuing the prosperity of the wrong system and so when they got circumcised in the heart they repented the joy of the lord came there was an outpouring of the spirit even physical like rain was taking place the levites talked to them about the meaning of the word they had a revival yeah a restoration yeah and the beginning of a reformation so as and what does this have to do with the united states and its current political climate has to do with the restoration of the house of god and nehemiah comes along with his wall building project and he completes the reformation that has to do with the boundaries of the city you could say the church the house of god uh is where the move of god takes place that activates the capacity for the recovery of the nation Activate activates the capacity of the recovery. What's the cash value of that sentence? I I have no idea what you just said. Let me back that up. Uh, is where the move of God takes place that activates the capacity for the recovery of the nation, and the- that activates the capacity of the recovery for a nation. That's what I thought. He ain't saying nothing. The reset is we are stalling right here, right now. (laughs) 
Woo, that's helpful, man. Look at that graphic, man. I wow, yeah. That's as clear as well, as clear as uh, 18-wheelers uh, front windshield uh, at dusk in South Dakota during the summer months because of all the skeeters, you know. It it rains mosquitoes in South Dakota and certain parts of it just at dusk when they come out. Yeah, you, you kind of get the idea. Wow, is that a mess. Where is the move of God, the Zerubbabel? Where is the... Right now we're in the chapter of these things coming together. Now, reason... We are. What, what chapter is that? Of what book are we talking exactly? Why I want to hit Esther today. I want to go, go to the subject of Esther. It's because Esther falls into this timeline. You see, this is the drama that's going on in Israel. But while that's taking place, parallel to that, we have the book of Esther. Right. Now, I told you he was going to explain where he, well, has the authority to come forth and teach in this way, using these biblical texts this way. Here, here's, here's the explanation. If what I'm teaching and what I'm saying makes sense to you. <laughs> doesn't make a lick of sense. Did you see your drawing? How, how could it make sense to anybody who has, like, a mentally sound brain? It's because it's coming out of a fresh revelation. I believe the Lord's saying that. Ah. You see, the, the reason why he's teaching this is because he has a fresh revelation from God, you know there the major game right now isn't seven mountains of culture it's not politics it's not america it's an assault on sovereign nation states literally you're living in the time when nation states are being attacked patriotism nationalism is actually being branded as fascist well that's true and so far you've proven that um given the dire circumstances and the very deadly um enemy that we're facing modern day fascism you're not really giving us anything to help us here uh, like not at all in fact you're kind of like the last guy i would go to to look for an answer when it comes to the very real problems we're facing in western civilization god what is happening i agree what is happening what is happening to the church that they think that this is biblical teaching? Well, what we're covering in our Bible studies, what we're covering in our news broadcasts, what we're covering on social media, is the rise and fall of nations. And you're right now on the front lines of a redefinition of the conflict. I don't know if you know it yet, but life on earth is going to be changing. So, so how, how much are you charging for that hot mess? Over the next two to three years, radically, because nations are rising and falling, depending on whether the people of God can exert their influence through a sustained pattern of persuasion to maintain or expand their freedoms and right to exist. Sheep and goat nations are being formed right now. We're in the moment when nation states... You don't want to be part of them goat nations, man. That, that'd be bad. ...to rising and nationalism, patriotism. And the emergence of Cyrus rulers are actually on the front. There's more of them. Wow, there's a whole bunch of Cyruses out there. Page of the morning news every day, but nobody's given us a, uh, a, a language to interpret the template. This series will do it for you. You'll never misunderstand what's happening in the news once you have. <laughs> I'm pretty sure after listening to your teaching, they'll never again understand the news. 
and their Bible. I, it, it's, I, I feel like your teaching is like taking people's brains, sticking them in a blender and hitting the frappy button. Will it blend? <laughs> well, yeah, it did. <laughs> Sorry, your brain will never work again, but yeah, we answered the question. Will it blend? This is bonkers. <laughs> I, I, so, um, there you go. I told you the <laughs> biblical teaching to accompany this installment of Fighting for the Faith is is the one of uh, the Pirate Christian's Guide to Understanding the Old Testament Part One. You, you need you need to watch that. You you really need to watch that because that'll help you recognize that this guy is so far off. It's not even funny. He's clueless about what the Bible's teaching, yet he's selling DVDs and teachings and stuff with with hand-drawn doodles and <laughs> that make no sense. And you'll, you'll never, you'll never not know what's going on in the news. No, you'll never know ever again what's really going on because it'll mess you up bad. So, ha. Huh. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.